All right, everybody, and welcome back to Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, MDV and I dive into an incredible episode with Nikki Rod. Now, Nikki, he's been in the jiu-jitsu space for quite a while. He's a super hardworking guy with a unique background, and we were in Austin. We were in Austin to film some content with Flow Grappling, where we take him through some fitness. He took us through some jiu-jitsu, which was uh, very interesting. And before we got into any of this content, wanted to dive into a great podcast, share a little bit more about his background, his mindset, training, jiu-jitsu, uh, all kinds of different topics that I really enjoyed talking about. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I do. This idea of effort over everything. Right, putting in the best effort possible. I think Nikki is a really great example of that, specifically of his abilities on the mat. And if you haven't checked out any of his stuff, definitely go look this guy up. He is out there crushing it, super dynamic athlete, incredible to watch. Before we dive into the episode, I just want to remind you that if you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, if you're a gym owner and you're looking for session plans, programming, we got you covered. If you're an athlete, you're in your garage, you're training at the gym, and you're looking for amazing workouts tested, curated by industry leaders, go check out the NC Fit app available on Android and also on Apple. And as always, if you enjoy this episode, if you get value from it, would really appreciate a rating or review. Now let's dive into an amazing episode with Nikki Rott and MDV. Let's go. All right, so where do we begin? Because there's a lot to talk about with uh, with you. I think the first step is, how did you end up moving to Puerto Rico and training with, you know, the best jujitsu guys in the world? How did you get that opportunity? And then how did that whole process even go down where, like, all you guys are like, all right, man, we're out. Let's go to Puerto Rico. So uh, when I first started jujitsu, I'm about three years in right now, I fell into uh, Henzo Gracie Association. It's called South Jersey BJJ. So I threw affiliations. I was kind of uh, already already affiliated. In my first, uh, like, months of training or first weeks of training, really, um, I was doing a lot of cross-training, hopped to every single gym because – Essentially, whenever I started, I was like the best guy in the gym, and I was looking for better guys that you know people people that were were better than me. So, uh, eventually, um, started beating you know being better than most guys in the gym, and then my coach uh, Javier Gabudo got me a private with Gordon. So I drive three hours to New York. I get to do a private with Gordon, and he was like, "Yo, uh, if you want to come to practice tomorrow, you know, feel free to swing by, train a little bit." I went to practice. Uh, you know, tried real fucking hard, and he was like, "Dude, like, you know, come back, <laughs> come back all you want." So I just, uh, just kept coming. I think uh, the first, like, up until ADCC World Championships, I was there like two or three times a week, just because it was like so fucking expensive, couldn't afford, you know, to make it up there every day. And then uh, after ADCC, started going every every day, and then moved there eventually. And uh, pretty much when COVID hit, um, we were like having problems training because honestly we ha- the cops even set up like a sting to stop us for training like, a sting <laughs> dude i'm telling you so like like john right john was walking towards practice we all we all like waited uh, across the street in like some building for w- wait for john to come open the door because during covid everything's closed you know yeah so we see john walking down the street and the cops intercept john and they're like uh are you gonna go to henzo's today he's like i don't know what you're talking about and they're like yeah you uh you can't train today 
like what's what's happening right now we can't we can't train because of covid so the cops literally uh yeah they set up, set up pretty much a sting operation they timed when he was coming to henzo's and you know intercepted him and was like yo you ca- you guys can train here so we took that day off and next day we, we went right back to training we we're like dude we gotta we gotta bounce you know we can't we can't skip training because of uh you know what's going on here so uh we kind of uh you know, we had some friends out in Puerto Rico. They're like, "Yeah, we'll set you up with a with a gym and some housing." And uh, you know what? We all found apartments, and it was like from one week to the next. Uh, we're like, "Yeah, we're definitely going." And then like shortly after, a couple of days, Gordon mm-hmm. left, then John left. And I was like, "All right, we're all we're out." You know, Dude, it seems <laughs> crazy. It happened real fast, right? Because yes. I mean, you started. You were wrestling. You had a wrestling background. Then you kind of, you know, kind of got into what modeling, some other mm-hmm. stuff, more fitness type thing, yeah. and then. And then, boom, you wanted to get into jiu-jitsu. And then, all of a sudden, you got linked up with these top guys in the world. And then, all of a sudden, you moved to Puerto Rico with them. And now, I mean, you, you had some great success at ADCC. But now, you've been training under Donahurt for, like, what, maybe two years? No, Yeah, uh, about, two year, about two years under John, yeah. And your game is probably, like, 10x since you – so, since you competed in ADCC, is your game, like, literally night and day? I'm not even the same, like, grappler. Like, uh, it's – everything's you know better even even my wrestling you know we don't we don't like we do a lot more wrestling now but like you know you would think because i'm so jujitsu focused like my wrestling wouldn't get better but it's got tremendously better and i'm, I'm reassuring that by practicing with you know other guys like i don't know if you guys saw but i was with a guy named Jaden cox when i was in colorado springs and Jaden cox is a uh world champion wrestler um guy took third in the olympics at freestyle he uh was probably set to win the olympics this year we had some complications uh at the trials um but uh you know wrestling guys like that i wrestled with another guy uh gable stevenson ncaa champ and he won the olympic trial so he'd been Mm -hmm. in the olympics for the u.s heavyweight so you know i see my capabilities on the mat versus those guys and i'm like these jujitsu guys just can't hang with me so (laughs) i understand i understand how 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 much better you know i'm getting on the feet and specifically my hand fighting i feel like my hand fighting is uh you know, at one of the high, one of the highest levels in the world, because I've seen what I can what I can do on my feet, specifically with my hands against the best. And uh, man, it's gonna be a real problem for the jujitsu guys. Mm. I, two, first of all, two things. Number one is that sting operation in New York is probably for, it's fucked up, but also it's probably the easiest sting operation ever because you got this guy walking down the street <laughs> we're, in a fucking we're the rash guard, <laughs> rash guard, and a fanny pack. He's like, okay, right, that's the guy. That's we have to guy. <laughs> but the other thing is like, that's wild that you entered into this jujitsu world in 2018 as somebody who had some wrestling experience, you're athletic, you're fit, but you go into it and all of a sudden you're doing really, really well. Not just like doing well in like your room, you're doing really well with Gordon Ryan in a private session. Like what, what kind of physical attributes or mental or emotional things kind of do you attribute to that success right away, right off the bat? I uh, honestly wrestling wrestling throughout my my younger life you know really prepared me for this but just really hardships in life i mean they 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 taught us from from day one at practice you always want to be the hardest worker in the room you know i think that's uh that's something that was pushed on us heavily and it stuck with us and it made it so everything was a competition so like mm-hmm. like in in wrestling practice you know if we went for runs like five mile runs it wasn't like a wasn't like a pace run it was a sprint we're sprinting for five miles like my my teeth would physically hurt because how hard i was clinching my jaw from fucking trying to win the run you know what i mean like i was was trying it's hard for me to 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 explain it but it's trying so hard to win in in every aspect like even in wrestling like if i could take you down three times in in a in a round i wanted to take you down five i wanted to take you down ten and our coach is always like try more try more harder harder 
And uh, you know, when I got to jiu-jitsu, I, I realized you know it's more of a uh, uh, more of a marathon than a sprint. Mm. So the hardest, one of the hardest adjustments for me was, was to treat it like more of a marathon. You know, don't don't uh, show all your cards right away and and and, uh, and understand that you're, you treat this match like it's never going to end. You know, because 15, 30 minute match, you really got to have that, that cardio uh, to, you know, withstand that long period of time. So uh, transitioning from like, you know, the sprinting version of myself to, to the marathon version was, was tough. But uh, in wrestling, just learning, you know, try to be the hardest worker. And uh, I wrestling made me good at mimicking people. So like, if I saw something I liked or I felt it more so, I practiced with you, I felt something that I like. Mm. Uh, without you even teaching me, I was able to kind of uh, rehearse that, you know, in, in my own ways in drilling and practice. And uh, I think uh, I think that mimicking ability gave me gave me tremendous uh, you know value in, com in competition. I also saw a big hole in the heavyweight division where like it looked like these guys are winning world championships off of just bad wrestling. Hmm. Like uh, you know uh, you know my, I've got a friend Orlando Sanchez that they you know I competed against, but uh, a lot of his matches guys was pull guard he'd smash from top like in half guard and get past and he'd win or like he'd hand fight. Uh, take a bad shot, or or the guy would take a bad shot on him, and he'd land on top, and he'd win. It was like it, it look, to me, it just looked like bad wrestling. So I was like, I have decent wrestling, you know, I should probably do okay in this in heavyweight division. And I was right, man. These guys, uh, jujitsu guy, specifically in the heavyweight, because I knew there was an the ego thing. Like the guys didn't want to pull guard, so I knew going in the AC, uh, ADCC, they pull guard. yeah, they, it, yeah. W it was going to be a wrestling match because they, you know, it's it like looks bad on them if they're like submit submitting to me in the sense of. You know, taking bottom, accepting bottom. So like a guy like Muhammad Ali, really good, really good judo guy. He's 260 pounds, and he's got a couple inches, you know, in height on me. I was able to beat him with with quality hand fighting, and then at the end, you know, uh, get a takedown when necessary. So, so I, I want to back up a little bit, and then I want to get back to the ADCC, and then I want to get back to training with Donner. But how did you? So how did you grow up? Like, what's your background? Because you seem like a hard worker. You seem like you're down just to throw down. You sound, I mean, like. Like, what's your family life like? What like like what was your childhood like? I, mean, uh, like I grew up. Uh, I no, I grew up in, in Jersey. Uh, hard work at home. My dad always had uh, two jobs. You know, uh, but I worked with my dad. I learned what hard work work was at a real young age. Like, uh, you know, from from three four years old, whenever I could pick up a hammer. My dad flipped houses his whole life, mm -hmm. so I was in houses. You know, I I learned how to do a lot of things. You know, play with concrete, frame things out. You know, sheetrock and whatnot. Um, so I understood what hard work was. My dad always said, like, listen, you, no matter what in life, you're going to have to work your hardest. But you have to choose where, where you put that energy at, you know. Do you, if you want, you know, you can do the, this house stuff. There's a lot of money to be made here in the, in the real estate world. Um, but if you find something that you're really passionate about, you work equally as hard and you'll, you'll get it there, you know. So uh, that kind of stuck with me. So I always knew, you know, I was comfortable with, with trying my hardest every day. I was, I, that was the normal to me. You know, I understood what, what that what that intensity was, what that lifestyle was. So, uh, you know, just kind of focusing and finding something something that I could try my hardest at and that was going to benefit my future was, was kind of, uh, you know, what I was searching for. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know, obviously hard work has been something that's been deeply ingrained in you, like you said, with your dad, your, your wrestling coach. You guys were working extremely hard there. But it also is there's this element of, like, you haven't let yourself get comfortable in any of these things. Like, you, you could have walked into jujitsu and been the biggest dog in all these small ponds across mm -hmm. the country, but you decided to put yourself into the arena with the literal best practitioners in the world, which could have been and probably was extremely uncomfortable for a while. I I had a 
I had I have fucking nightmares sometimes about this. I had days like specifically in the first year of grappling uh, at Henzo's where like mainly our first round is we start mounts right where I have a guy mounted on top of us and like I'd be stuck <laughs> on their Gordon you know if if I didn't get up John will, John will let the round go 10, 15, 20 oh. minutes till I got up so I'm stuck in bottom and it's like you could tap you can mentally break if you want if you want out you know what I mean but that, that just shows you you know what kind of person you are so. So that was like back, back like almost in the beginning, because you hadn't, you didn't have that that much jujitsu before that. So like some of you are like, you're like a year into jujitsu and you're starting in the mount. Excuse me, you, someone in Gordon is in your mount, yeah. right? He's mounting. And you're top, starting. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 mounting you, and you're starting there. Yeah. And the goal is to get out. Yeah, yeah. And you would keep the round going until you got out. Yeah, I mean, the, John had many days like that where it's like if he saw something that, that that you needed to get done, he would just let it go, just get up. And it's not a normal black belt on top of you that's the goat this is this is the guy who is the best at controlling anybody while in mount yeah but things like that reassured me that like all right i know my top game's fantastic but what if you get stuck on bottom hmm. what if i get stuck on bottom so you know you, what i mean i'm gonna get up you talk about gordon being the goat and uh obviously he has you know a record to prove that he is he is exceptional right um but you train with him now on a regular basis still so, like, what is that vibe like? Because, you know, you talk about all you guys. You know, you're kind of newer. Like, you, you've only been there, like, a couple of years. It's not like you guys have been together for years and years and years. But something I was telling MVV is that when I saw you guys at Who's Number One, you know, a couple months ago, the your team seems pretty tight. And it seems like you guys, you know, even though you're down, you're going to throw down with each other. Like, you guys also have each other's back and you guys are supportive of each other. How is that dynamic in Puerto Rico? I'm really curious because you're all a bunch of guys who want to like essentially dominate, but at the same time you know that you need each other to 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 do well. Yeah. And then watching you guys like support like you know Gordon's brother or whoever like when they were fighting was really cool to see. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's a very like, interesting dynamic, and I think it's a a one a one of one dynamic because uh, no other room in the world you have the world's best top five guys. You have Gary Tonin. Nicky Rod, uh, Craig Jones, Nicky Ryan, Gordon Ryan. I mean, Ethan Krellerstein. Fuck, we have a few more in there too. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're all so good and we're all getting better so fast mm. because we understand that we have to help each other get better. The harder practices, the better you are against me in practice, the better I'm going mm. to do in competition. So we all, we don't hold anything back in practice. If I have something to ask, I'll ask them, and they'll give me a straight-up answer. Listen, I got I, I got to this position because you did this wrong. I'm like, fuck, you're right. Let's fix it. So uh, it's a it's a very uh, interesting camaraderie where everybody in the room uh, as a whole wants to help each other get better, and that's why we elevate our game constantly. Like, you know, uh, this, me six months ago was completely different from me right now. It's it's <laughs> it's honest, it's it's we el we change so fast it's almost weird. Like even a guy like Nikki Nikki Ryan that's been grappling yeah. for, with John for years. I mean, guy constantly changes his game. You know, he starts he's on his feet now. Before he's only legs. Mm. You know, now last match he dominated the top position. He it didn't accept bottom at all. So. Yeah. I've been coaching for a long time. Been coaching for like fifteen years, and I've been studying coaches for a long time, and I have never ever witnessed somebody who's even close to what John Danaher is like, is like a, and I've never met him. Mm. I've only listened to him on podcasts. I see him on social media. But he is a unique dude in so many different ways. I heard somebody describe him as almost like a comic book villain who's not like, <laughs> who's not like a real person. He's like walking around in the rash guards, the fanny pack, and the way that he speaks and communicates. But what makes him so effective as a coach to get the most out of 
everybody he works with, not just one person. He doesn't get the most out of just Gordon, Gordon or, or, or Nikki or, or Nikki you. Or yeah. He gets the most out of everybody. What makes him so unique? Um, I think it's a... I think it's a combination of uh, of everything because you can't you can't have this this success without the obsessive uh, athletes. You mm-hmm. know, you have to have the athlete that's you know like me. I drove six hours a day, five days a week to get to practice. Wild. You know, so uh, you know shit like that. And everybody has their own story. You know, Gary Tony has his own. Uh, Nicky Rod Nicky Rod has his own way of getting there. You know, so uh, every, if you ask anybody on my team, it's you know they've had their their fair share of. Uh, of uh you know issues getting to practice um one you know like you said his voice right it's, it's very uh <laughs> it's very very calming yeah. like i mean yeah. right and yeah like he does things differently like in wrestling right a lot of coaches be like all right like they're yelling they're like all right let's get up let's get running right yeah and john john talks so low that nobody can say anything or you won't hear him yeah so it's like just above a whisper and like that's one of his sec- that's one of his uh you know techniques so where it's like all right if you're not paying attention you're not going to hear it yeah so it makes us shut up and like you know actually pay attention to him and we you know we've gotten used to that but uh um it, he just does things differently we we understand uh how obsessed he is with with uh you know with the sport and not only just jujitsu but he's he's really uh a lover in love with all things martial arts yeah. you know obviously specifically jujitsu but but many he has you know has tons of boxing knowledge yeah. I, mean, I mean he built he built gsp to what he was you know so um and it's like uh it's like it's hard for us to miss practice with him you know we we see how like physically beat up beat up he is and the guy's still there seven days a week and it's like how can we miss a day if mm. he's still there you know um so it's a it's a combination of things it, it's john's obsessed it's John never misses a day. We we feed off that because it's like you know our, our leader is not going to take a day off. Wait, how can we? And uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, a personality personality like that just kind of a kind of attracts people. Like I don't. Know, it's different. Yeah. You know, you never want to go somewhere that that's you know it's all the same. I think how different he is is very attractive to us because we're. I feel like the, my team as a whole, we're all one of one. Like everybody's so different. You don't have the same personality, you know, in the in the fifteen guys that we have, uh, yeah. you know, on the team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't pinpoint exactly uh, what it is that makes him so great, but uh, it's a ton of different variables and how how different he looks at the world in, in, as a whole. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he's like a. New Zealand robot that's programmed on low formal mode. Like the yeah. way that he speaks, I've never heard anybody communicate like he does, but like you have to stop and listen to what he says because what he's saying, even over audio podcasts, listen to my fucking headphones, it's so powerful. You're like, I can't believe this guy just said that. Yeah. And he makes you have these awakening moments over these small things that he says, which are like like there's there's small sometimes. conversations that you have in in life or things that you hear that like completely change the way you view life and shit like that just happens all the time with John. Wow. Like he'll he'll say simple things and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about and I'll think about it. I'm like dude, you're so right. And it just completely gives you a different different aspect. So it's like people say like uh right before a match like uh don't show me anything. I'm not going to learn nothing right before a match. It's like dude, with John you fucking never know, dude. Mm. Never he'll, know. he'll just show you something. And so like when I was um you know, uh, with you guys, we were talking about what your guys' uh, typical day of training looks like. So when you guys are getting ready and you're getting ready for practice, what does that entire flow look like? Like, it's every day. He's there every yeah. day. So practice, uh, practice is supposed to start at, like, 9 o'clock. 
and we don't start till like twelve, twelve thirty. John doesn't. It's just three hours yeah, late. <laughs> it's it's just it's a verbal thing where we say, all right, we'll be there at nine o'clock. But nobody like John doesn't show up till like eleven, twelve, something like that. So, uh, that's so you guys just at the gym, just kicking it. No, waiting for no, it? no, no, no. It's just a, it's just like a the running just, joke. It's like a joke. Like running joke, I guess. Yeah, even it. I guess, I guess it really started when COVID hit. John John would be like, yo, practice at at like ten o'clock. And he'll be strolling down the street like twelve. He's like, "All right, John, time ten o'clock. We got, it, we got." It. <laughs> All right, so we made, we made those adjustments. Um, what's your question again? Did, like, what does it look like? What, what's what a normal like? oh, training? Yeah. Training, right? All right, so we, we start practice like twelve, twelve thirty. Um, we're there for probably an hour before practice, just talking, bullshitting, um, building you know building the morale in the room. Yeah. Uh, also working on things, you know, if we have questions and whatnot. Um, and then we start practice. John teaches for like a, an hour and a half to two hours of technique, uh, so it's pr- it's pretty long. Um, granted, we have days where you know maybe only shows thirty minutes and we, and we hop in. That's that's rare. It's usually an hour and a half of learning or so, uh, and the learning consists of long sequence. John John likes to teach us a sequence in, of like uh, eight movements, uh, six to eight movements. So you know what I mean, something like that. Uh, Typically, like start like like as an example, take down to submission. Or are we talking about? Like entry into submission, or um, it, it's it's a it's a combination of everything. Yeah. But like an example would be like you know we, maybe we start with uh you know Ashigarami. We sit the, we sit sit the guy down. Uh, we have the partner react. Obviously, he tries to stand up, and then we counter that reaction. So it, it'd be a lot of that. A lot of a lot of have the partner react, and we counter your 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 reaction from there. And Ashigarami is just leg entanglement, right? Ashi yeah, standing Ashigarami a bit leg entanglement yeah. when you're you're on the ground and partner standing. Um. Yeah. So uh, a lot of lot of long sequences, uh, which which at the beginning was really hard for me to to, to grasp because I was just l- used to like show me one move I do it. Mm-hmm. So that took me some adjustments. Um. But I found I found that like everybody drills different. Like a, mm-hmm. a Gordon Ryan, if John shows him something to do, he'll do it perfectly and he'll do it the whole drilling session. A guy like Gary Tonin or or Ethan or even myself, I'm more like you show me a sequence. I do a se- sequence a couple of times when I'm drilling, and then it just starts like creativity starts flowing. You know, I like if I'm supposed to turn left, I'll turn right. I'll I'll turn upside down. You know, like so yeah. like I'll I'll start the sequence and I'll kind of make it my own. I'm 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 every big believer in in letting your letting your body and letting your mind think for yourself. So like I'll allow John to show me a sequence. I'll do it a couple of times and I'll start the sequence and I'll just let it let it turn into whatever it turns into. Yeah. So you're kind of feeling it out as you're going through the different repetitions and yeah. seeing what feels good for you. I'm I'm kind of relatively new to jiu-jitsu but been doing fitness for a long time. The thing that I I found difficult for me is like I'll learn something, but then I'll like I'll forget it, or like I, I'll be halfway through a sequence and I'll I'll move the wrong way, turn the wrong way. Mm-hmm. What is ha, has it come natural to you? Is it your wrestling background? Is it just the people who are around you that like you're picking this stuff up faster than most, if not anybody? Yeah. Who picks well, it's it also up. time on the mat, right? I mean, he's spending a couple yeah. hours yeah. drilling, right? For sure. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I feel like. I feel like yeah, like you said, it's it's time on the mat. But because of wrestling, I had such an innate ability to to get to my opponent's back, right? Mm. So I I kind of understood how to get to the opponent's back. Now it's like, uh, it's a the objective is control now. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, like you said, I'm learn I'm learning at a fast pace. Uh, but I feel like having the creativity, like I like to watch a lot of people drill, right? Like uh, like Penn State, 
Penn State University uh, of the NCAA wrestling. They're like the DDS of NCAA yeah. wrestling. They destroy everybody, you know. They they won, like, NCAAs, like, past eight years, you know what I mean? So uh, their coach is Kale Sanderson, and I watch a, I watch a lot of the, the way they move, and, and I talk to a lot of Penn State guys. I want to understand, you know, their mindset, why they're so dominant, What how can I kind of transition some of their knowledge to, to the jiu-jitsu world. And a lot of it, they talk about their drilling and how creative, creative they are to where, like, yeah, the, you know, they're showing moves and stuff, but they're also showing independency. You know, uh, don't be afraid to, to try different things and, and, you know, find your true potential because I feel like people limit themselves when they say, oh, I'm, I'm just supposed to shoot a double this way, and that's the only way it's supposed to be shoot, mm. shot, you know. So I feel like being adding creativity, adding, you know, uh, just different ways of moving, different ment mentalities while you're, while you're on the mat uh, can ultimately uh, elevate your game because if yeah. you implement, you know, the proper techniques with your own style, like, you know, Gary, you look at a guy like Gary Tony, you never know what sway he's going to turn. You know, if he gets to his back, he's going to left, right, up, down. Like, you, it's so unpredictable. And I think unpredictability plays a big part in by success. Mm -hmm. And that's the perfect place to try all that stuff out, man, while you're training because the consequences of failure are, although they're high in practice, you don't want to let your coach down. Yeah. You're going to maybe mess up with your partner, but not as high as yeah. when you're on the mat in a tournament. Also, like in, in practice, it's easy to, um, for, for us at least, it's, e it's easy to like go 100 all the time because you want to win so bad. But man, just like shutting, again, shutting the ego off and trying different stuff just uh, elevates the game, man. Mm. I, I had to spend many hours on the mat, like, you know, just fight, fighting for my life out there. And I was like, man, if I just spend some more time getting better, learning, being creative, and then come back to going harder, you know, it benefits me way more. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. So, I mean, you come from like a kind of school of hard work and kind of grinding it out. How much of jiu-jitsu you think is like physical and like that? And then how much of it is like the mental and technical side and having like seven steps ahead of your opponent, right? So I'm going to do this to create this to create this. I mean, like, I'm curious what, I mean, obviously the best would be the blend of both, but I imagine... I mean, I'm curious, like, from your background, did you have to, like, re reframe the way you looked at grappling because of how technical you could be? I think the jiu-jitsu world, maybe uh, 10, 15, even 20 years ago, was uh, was more uh, of just grinding it out, being being, uh, yeah. being tough, using muscle, just using athleticism. Uh, but now, man, I mean, with the implementation of leg locks uh, and with the systems that, and of how, you know, specifically how DDS is attacking jiu-jitsu, it's forcing other people to say, wow, okay, we really have to make this uh, understand it's, it's more of a cerebral sport than, mm. than it was years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think for me personally, I really had to understand that, like, you know, I have to think while I'm doing because when, when I was wrestling, I've been doing it for so long. I would just just go, you know. I wouldn't even think. I just let my body do however I would react. I just keep and move. I keep the pace high. Um, now the pace is a little bit slower, so you know it forces the mind to say, okay, we have to think about what we're doing. What's our what's our actual next step? If he does this, I'm going to do that. Um, so yeah, jujitsu definitely forced me to think a lot more. And honestly, I think. Uh, I think that mentality helps my wrestling because now I'm on the feet. Makes me uh, not only am I reacting fast, but I'm thinking faster. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm making these calculations, you know, slightly faster because I'm so used to. Like there's a there's a way to roll right where you roll live and you're just flowing. You're like you're going hard, but you're you're not really you're not thinking of it, you yeah. know. Uh, and there's a way to do it where you're going fast and you're actually you're going through the thoughts, going through the movements in your mind, and that's a little bit harder. It's mentally taxing more, but uh, I think it's a greater benefit uh, once you're live. Mm -hmm. The, the leg game, obviously, is something that DDS has been part of revolutionizing, right? You have that famous story of Dean Lister coming to Henzo Gracie and, you know, saying that thing to John where it's like, why would you ignore 
50% of the body, right? And John's whole world, his mind melts yeah. out of his ears, right? How, from a wrestler's perspective, a lot of wrestling, you come into this, it's top heavy. You know, your upper body focus, obviously you're shooting, getting past the legs, going to pins. Mm -hmm. How has that been for you in learning and understanding this lower body game to jujitsu? Because it's a big deal now. I want to say I did legs every day for like the first year wow. before I even felt comfortable like uh, like uh, attacking them against against good guys in practice. Like I would do like on the blue and purple belts and like initially we were like we we're even, you know what I mean? But these guys would give me sometimes, you know, the first couple months of, of doing leg stuff. Uh, so I, I would do a ton every single day. I'd be on my back or attacking legs for the first year, and then now I'm sort of I'm you know I'm in year three now where I'm starting to feel more comfortable. Where you know soon it's going to be uh, be good enough where I can implement this stuff into into uh, you know matches and whatnot. But it's a it's definitely the hardest part. My for me the hardest part of jujitsu is the leg stuff because it's a it's a slower it's a slower uh, pace. But it's a it's a faster thought process because oh, yeah, things dude. can happen so, so fast. fast. Like dude. The, I feel like the leg breaks, it goes from being completely fine to, man, you you blow your knee and your anchor out, like, so fast. Yeah. That's what makes it scary, dude. I mean, you know, coming from my, like, because I, I roll a lot of gi jiu-jitsu. I started in gi a lot. And then when I got into no gi, dude, the leg entanglements, like, that kind of stuff just, I, for a while, I just shied away from it. Like, as soon as someone even got me remotely into something, I just, you know, I would yeah. just tap. And I had to break past that, right? I had to kind of get a little bit more comfortable with it. I'm still not super comfortable, but man, the leg stuff, it just, for some reason, even more so than like the arms, it just, it just, you're, it's a, you're taking your ability to walk away. Yeah. It's you know? scary stuff, yeah. man. Yeah. And the way that you can transition from, and I know very little about this, but just from seeing, you can transition from a straight ankle to a heel hook to a Fast. knee bar very very quickly okay. and the okay. consequences of those three movements are, can all be pretty bad but you know the second two being much more uh potentially dangerous um i was going to ask you guys about rest days because that's something that in our world people talk about oh you got you got to take a lot of rest you know you got to take some time off you know make sure you're sitting on the couch make sure you're recovering yeah. fully. like does that exist in your world or no? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> no, we uh, we train the jits uh, hard as fuck every single day, seven days a week. Uh, and no, uh, we have a few guys on the team that lift, you know, a lot. But uh, I usually lift, you know, uh, if not six, usually seven days a week. And but wow. I, you know, two 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 or three of my lift days are more for rehab. You know, mm. I get the blood pumping in the in places that you know for recovery and stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, I like to lift hard, pretty like five days a week. What is that? What is lifting? What does lifting hard mean for you? Because I know what that means for Jay and yeah. I. If we're gonna roll into the gym, we're gonna get after it. I know what that is. But what is what's lifting? So, for you? Uh, uh, like I just did, I was home and I got I don't in being in Puerto Rico, I work out in like in a, in a garage, which is which is great. But I got to go, go to like a real gym, a good New Jersey gym. Yeah, a good New Jersey <laughs> yeah. gym. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I did I did train like a heavy arm session and. Uh, I like to split my stuff up like one body part. So like I don't even do arms. I just do biceps and then I have a day just for triceps. Mm. So I'll do like eight exercises, typically four by 20 and everything's like drop sets. Start heavy, you know, to where I can only get like, five to eight reps and then drop it a little bit to mm. finish out 15, 20. So that's my style. I like to exhaust myself. I think the... I think it's just fun. I like I like to watch bodybuilders lifting weights, yeah, like, like Arnold and style. shit like that. You know, uh, that always inspired me. I like, I always had this vision of looking like if I if a guy that l could look like Arnold but perform my, yeah. like me, like fuck, that's a spectacle. You mm, know what I mean? Yeah. So I strive to have that physical appearance because I was like, no matter what I do in life, you know, even if I'm sitting at a fucking desk, at least I'll be jacked and I look good there. You know? <laughs> so 
That's kind of the game plan behind that. It's not a bad strategy. No, it's not a bad strategy at all. I got to connect him with Hani Rambad, who's actually in town. He's he's like the number one uh, uh, bodybuilding coach. And I, I spent some time, I did some bodybuilding stuff with him, and it just changed the way that I looked at uh, the way bodybuilders try and focus on a different muscle group. But it is interesting because, you know, off on the mat, you're so dynamic, right? On the mat, you're full body working different positions and then off the mat you're going very muscle specific so you know we started kind of showing you a few of more like this kind of functional application like clean and jerks and that kind of stuff how do you think like do you think your your fitness off the mat will start transitioning a little bit more towards that or what is hindered or is it like you're you don't feel comfortable with the techniques that's why you kind of avoid it or do you see value in those kind of compound movements and then translating to the mat or do you think the individual muscle groups the way to go. I mean, I'm just curious. All right, so my mindset, right? I always, I always feel like I'm in, I'm in a rush, right? Specifically when I'm lifting, I feel like I'm in, I'm in a rush to get big, mm. right? And for me, <laughs> the best, I always felt the best way, to, the fastest way to get big, uh, was bodybuilder style. You know, high reps, high, that hypertrophy training, yeah. getting that fucking pump where your muscles just used to being expo- expanded all the time. Um, I think the fu- the functional stuff is probably way better for me, you know, <laughs> like in, in the terms of, of you know, jujitsu and whatnot. But uh, I think if you're going for looks, uh, the high reps, you know, the the the, the, pump. the pump is, yeah. is you know, it's going to get you the looks. But I, what I do find is that the to get shredded, uh, you know those full body workouts. Uh, uh, the stuff you showed me way better. Like I was, I was losing fat way faster doing set, that stuff. I just feel like it used my core more. I burn way more calories. You know, squatting around and stuff like that. So uh, definitely to get leaner. You know, this is probably the way. It's a. Uh you know, I think the tides are changing a bit in jujitsu where people are more open to strength and conditioning off of the mat. But, you know, I've, I've even talked to some people recently where they go, yeah, that's a joke. Don't don't be doing that kind of stuff off of the mat. Like you get all of your training, everything that you need, you're going to find right here. There's a common thing where I'm sure you guys hear this, like overtraining, like. I hear it all the time. Like I go to, I do a lot of seminars and stuff. People yep. always ask me, "How do you deal with overtraining?" I'm like, "What is that?" Like I, 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 uh, I never, I never really understood it. Uh, I've trained as hard as I could, and I've never died. I mean, I feel like that's <laughs> you know, a fitness you know, test. I feel like that's alive. the test, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you could take another step, you didn't fucking overtrain. You know, yeah. if you're still walking around. You're, you're, you, I think, you I got think some what, left. I think what they're probably referring to, and and you know, I, this is you know when I was really training for the CrossFit Games, what I would find is that if I trained too much, my results would actually go in a negative direction. Yeah. So, do you ever feel like you're on the mat, you're grinding it out for two, three hours, and then you go and you do some bodybuilding type stuff? And then you get so fatigued, you just can't you can't perform as well the next day, or do you constantly still feel like you can still perform? Uh, so I mean, I have uh, I have peak days. Like for me, usually like Wednesday, Thursday, for whatever reason, are just my best days. I mm. do I do the same shit every day. I lift, I fucking do the jits. I eat good. I get my eight to ten hours of sleep. Um, but for whatever reason, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm on fire. Oh, so you today's know? Thursday, and we're that's going the day at it. We're, it. <laughs> we're going at it. Have fun. I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm 160 today. pounds just chilling over here watching <laughs> yeah. you guys get after what do, it. What are you weighing? Uh, 212. Okay. I'm like 35, 40. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> let's, have fun. Maybe we can start with me in your yeah. side control. Dude, I might be tired from the fucking. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, that's my goal for today. I need to exhaust you as much as possible. So, by the way, we're in we're in uh, Austin, Texas, and the idea is we're we're partnering up with Flow Grappling, and I kind of pitched this concept. I was like, "Hey, man, let's try and let's try and you know show the world a little bit of fitness stuff and a little bit of jiu-jitsu stuff in in one video." And I think you're a great person to do that with, and and, and us together because. 
I'm down to show you some stuff. You're down to show me some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, you're down to do a, a workout with me and I'm down to, you know, do some, some roles with you. It's just a nice collaboration between on the mat and off the mat. And I think, I think we need to start having more of those conversations and see what can we do, especially for like the general public, mm-hmm. maybe for the top level competitors, they have a very specific program they're doing, but for the average jujitsu practitioner, what could they do to feel good on the mat, feel good off the mat, and keep their overall health at a high level? Yeah. Is it just jujitsu, or is it jujitsu and, and also some fitness incorporated? I think weights are so important. I mean, yeah. for me, I feel like it boosts my immune system. It bo- I just overall, I feel I feel better. I feel more energized after you know a day of lifting weights. Mm. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people can benefit, you know, from from being a weight in the weight room, man. The um, the overtraining question is really interesting to me. I, I mean, we get that question a lot. I get that question a lot. A lot of times, and I'm not trying to be a dick to anybody, when, a lot of times when people are asking this question, I think that there's some fear or comfort that they're trying to get around where they, they just don't want to sometimes yeah. <laughs> put in the hard work that's necessary to get to the level that you need to get to. I, don't, to I think that honestly most people don't even have the mental fortitude it's mental overtrain. Yeah. You know, like most people don't know. Like a lot of people think they know what hard work is. Most people don't know what mm. hard work is. Not in today's world where you could go, you know, buy fucking cheesesteak wherever. You, you know, you're not, you're not forced to hunt for your food. Cheese you got, you guys don't, don't know what a lot of people don't know what hard work is. So, yeah, yeah like you said, the overtraining thing is just uh, more so people trying to be okay with taking a break. Mm. Mm. That's, that's an interesting perspective on that, yeah. right? Like I can see how that relates. For sure. Yeah. You're almost trying to get, ex- they're, they're almost trying to get permission not to train as much. But uh, so you don't actually feel like there's that, like you have not hit that tipping point where you're like, hey man, I need to take a week off or I need to take multiple days off. You, you don't really find that tipping point. You, do you just regulate your training a little bit? Like you have harder days and easier days or just every day is a hard day. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So I start, I started lifting, right? 2014. So I'm about seven years in, into like bodybuilding, right? Yeah. Um, when I was just lifting, I would lift as hard as I can every day. Uh, I tried to be – my goal was to be as sore as possible the next day. You know, whatever <laughs> body part it was, I wanted to feel like absolute dog shit the next day. And that was my accomplishment. Uh, now, you know, I make sure – I make sure uh, I try my best to do that only like five days a week. And the other couple of days are just, you know, like I said, like rehab stuff. Um and I don't think that's necessary for everybody to do that. You know, it's just that was just my my preference. I I grew up like I was telling you guys earlier. I do I watched a ton of YouTube videos. You know, trying to lift, and everybody's mentality. I saw. I mean, everybody was like, "Dude, there's no such thing as a as a as overtraining." So I just kind of you know stuck with that mentality, mm-hmm. and it's it's helped. I mean, I mean, eventually you're gonna have days where you have to take days off whether it's injury well whether it's life you just couldn't make it to the gym so that's the days that i take off if i can go to the gym you know i'll go to the gym Mm. fair enough now talking about you know off the mat i'm I'm just curious like talk a little bit about your childhood and your dad getting you in and flipping houses and grinding it out there coming from jersey but then there's like a lot of years like you got into uh modeling right Mm -hmm. so like from a career perspective from a from a business perspective like what does that look like right now do you have sponsorships i know you do some stuff where you're you sell you know like programs for fitness and and whatnot but like what does the life of a jiu-jitsu practitioner especially your guys's level look like from a financial perspective like what are what are the goals there and then how do you guys build because a company like bjj fanatics has done a great job of creating a network that you guys could use your you know knowledge and your your audience to to build some some income but like 
what does the typical life from a business side look like of a jiu-jitsu athlete? I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, we we make a have a different a few different sources of income. You know, we have the social media stuff where we sell we sell. Uh, you know, we post ads on 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 Instagram, on YouTube, whatnot. Um, then we have obviously we have the BJ Fanatic stuff. We sell uh, stuff there. I have personal website where I sell merchandise. Uh, I have uh, oh, miss one. Oh, uh, you know, we have a. Uh, Gear sponsorships as mm. well, and then we have the competitions that pay pay the bills. Uh, really, we only have one guy making making millions right now in the sport. That's that's Gordon. Um, so we're striving to uh, expand the the sport and build the sport to where um, you know the millionaires in the sport it's it's readily available. You know what I mean? We want to have a, a, a maybe the top five or the top ten of the elite guys in the sport. You know, making seven figures. I feel like that would help us push into the into uh, being a more mainstream sport. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, it's still it's still a, a very small sport. I uh, I have a I have this idea that that uh, like a subscription based website, maybe subscription based app. You have you have your NC yeah. NC Fit app, right? Uh, that's the same same kind of concept. I feel like uh, if you just take you know the concept where you can you can have something that doesn't cost you anything and sell that, you know, like the concept of uh, selling knowledge because that's essentially your knowledge is free. It's just you know it takes years to acquire it and selling selling that. So you know, uh, like we're doing that for. BJ Fanatics. I feel like there's many different ways we can profit. Like so many, I get so many requests for for watching live rolls. Mm. Yeah. You know, one of my ideas is maybe uh, I have a have an app where you know I just po post live live rolls, and you know people pay. You know, I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but maybe they pay <laughs> five bucks a month. You know what I mean? Just for to, to watch, you know, just to watch Gordon and Nikki Ryan live ro roll live. You know what I mean? Shit like that. I feel like I get constantly requested for for things like that, and it's probably a market that we're missing right now. Yeah. Yeah. The jujitsu community is definitely hungry for the knowledge, the expertise, access to you guys. What are you thinking about? How are you approaching your training? How are you approaching your roles? It definitely is something that's really interesting. Can I ask you a question about some of your goals? Yeah. I read somewhere that you wanted to have some MMA world championships. Yeah. Is that still a goal for you? So I don't I don't want to I don't want to win MMA. Uh I don't want to be a world champ, but I want to develop uh fighters. Uh, I think uh That's cool. I think uh I've heard this many times uh told me, you know, by by very important grapplers and, and fighters that I have the best style for fighting. My jiu-jitsu, my my wrestling is the best style for MMA. And I think I can, you know, with with uh you know, if I have the right chemistry with certain fighters, if I'm around a, certain, a couple a couple certain fighters, um, I can think I can help develop some world champions. Uh, for me, I don't want to get punched in the face, so fighting is really not for me, you know. <laughs> hey, at least uh, he's uh, just open to just saying, hey, that's kind of where I'm at, right? Yeah. I, I've been punched in the face a few times. Not not for me. Not in the cage, but outside the cage? Yeah, yeah. No, no thank you. No, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I, think I can dev help develop fighters. And once I, I, have, I set my goals and I accomplish my goals in jiu-jitsu, I'd really like to learn more about, you know, striking and stuff like that. I, I, uh, I've always had a passion for, for MMA as a whole, and uh, I'd really like to coach some guys to, to, to championship. What's your ultimate goal in jiu-jitsu? I want to I want to win ADCC a few times but I want to do it I, first of all I'd like to sub everybody you know all the way through to the finals well, and that's a common theme of the Donaher squad so like yeah I, I want to talk about this just for a minute because mm -hmm. I was at who, who's number one with you and we're sitting next to uh, uh Nikki Ryan was competing and if I'm not mistaken he was bummed out on his performance because he didn't sub the guy yeah but he had an extremely dominant performance, MDV. I mean, he he dominated. Yeah, the I probably whole time. watched it. Yeah. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, you know, like the crew kind of seemed like a little bummed. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? This guy is crushing. <laughs> it's because you guys, your your goal is just sub, 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 sub. Yeah. 
we we work so hard and it's like all we want to do is make you quit you know what i mean like that's that's all we think about you take this guy that's been doing training this specific sport for past 10 15 years of his life he gets onto the mat with you and and you know once that exhaustion hits and once that once the some the the technical the technical superiority starts to show this guy just fucking quits on you and that's uh that's really what we're looking for mm. we're going out there to make you make you quit and uh if you don't quit you break so um if you guys ever broke you ever break anybody in competition well like in uh like in in crossfit games yeah it's a little different in crossfit games because you can't I mean, you can see it every now and then with specific events. Um, there's been a few, but because it's not like a one-to-one, it's just a different type of sport, right? Because there's, you know, a, uh, you know you're competing against a, a lot field of, of people. A field of 15 or 20. A, yeah, a field. Yeah. And so you can't really tell, but there's been moments where you know that you kind of broke the band, we call it. Like where, like for a while, like you feel like you're kind of like we're peers, right? Yeah. And then slowly I start, like, and the track is a great example. We're like, let's just say the three of us are running. In the first lap, we're all kind of together. Second lap, we're together. Then slowly, I break off. And then eventually, you no longer are trying to keep up with me, but you're trying not to have the guy behind you catch you. Mm, So we call that break in the band. We're like, now I've broken away from the pack, and you no longer look at me as the, like, you're trying to catch me. You're now trying to stay ahead of the guy who's in third. So we try and accomplish that, especially on the track, breaking the band. CrossFit is so uh, such a pacing game. Yeah. Like, it, you see the guys, you know, e- even when they start running, the guys that start off in front, they fucking just fall back fast, man. Yeah, you got I mean, there's a lot of, because it's more of an, I would call it a more endurance-ish oh, yeah. sport, especially it's over very, the games. Yeah, it's very We're talking about based. 20 events over a week yeah. long. You got to really know how to, like, control yourself, right? How, how's the level of exhaustion? I, I, I like a, well, you have, to, you have to go back. Do you ever compete back-to-back days in CrossFit oh, yeah. games? Oh, yeah. Right? How, how exhausted? Oh, yeah. I mean, like the thing about the CrossFit Games, and I competed in eight of them. I mean, it's like, it's a lot, dude. Because you compete, to get there, you have to go through like an open, regionals, and whatever. And those ones are different because you would have a couple events a day, two events a day. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't like, it was bad, but it wasn't like exhausting. Dude, the games, I mean, some days, man, like, I mean, I couldn't even, I mean, you have a lot of adrenaline when the things start, but especially like the first day, they will just crush you. I mean, like, just crush you just try and do whatever they can to just put you in the in the in the ground and then they want to see how can you recover and go finish up these events and so it's it's definitely a sport about recovery and how well you could kind of like get yourself back up and 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 complete the task because you're talking about you know 20 legitimate events over the span of a week long so it's a lot yeah yeah, it's, dude, that's different. it's. I I watch a ton of uh, CrossFit stuff on YouTube. I even watched one thing where they had the that the run over this, oh, uh, like you know maybe the three k over this mountain and back down, and they're like, oh, we have a surprise for you. Oh yeah, you gotta do it again. Do it backwards. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh my god, yeah, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, that was a, that was like recently last. It was last year, but I mean, like one of the the toughest one that I I mean I competed in quite a few events, but the toughest one was this one called Microwave Mountain. And so we did this uh, triathlon at Camp Pendleton. It was probably the worst of my life. You, you start off with a swim in the ocean at Camp Pendleton, which is in Southern California. How far is the swim? It was like, I don't know. Do you remember? It wasn't terrible. I don't remember how long he had to swim. It was, it was, it was far, but it wasn't that far, right? Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was far enough that, like, you know. The mountain work pre- was real bad. Yeah, if you weren't prepared, you were in trouble. Yeah. So you went out there and you did the swim, and it was okay. Then you biked. And that was considered one event. So what happened is we did the swim, we did the bike. And everybody's just crushing the bike because that was considered one event. So however you finished on that event was a scored event. But then as soon as you got there, you'd lay your bike down. 
and you had to sprint up this hill and that was the that was the end then from there was like a 10 mile uh switchback and they had these marines that would be stationed along the whole run and it was just horrendous dude just straight up straight down for 10 miles but the worst part was you get like six miles in at this point you don't know how far you are it's not like there's mile markers and at every at every switchback so you'd think you were going to get to the top and then all of a sudden it would switch back but there would be a marine and I'd be like, you'd be exhausted. You'd just be like, hey, like, how much farther do we have? And they'd be like, you have one mile left, sir. And they would always say the same thing to me. Oh, really? So <laughs> I don't think I had a mile left. And, oh, and so, man. dude, I, and, and, and after a while, I was just like, okay, I know what you're going to say, but thank you for your service. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going. You know, oh, like, man. but those were, the, those were like the mental games they try yeah, and play with wow, you. Wow, they bit. really mess with you. Oh, yeah. dude, yeah, they mess dude, with cause you. Dude, because it's something to be said. Like, when you think you're done, your body's like kind of relaxing. And then as soon as you think you have to go again, it's like a spike in your, in your adrenaline. You know, it's that's tough, dude. Yeah. And so, like, talk about your competitions. You know, like, when you look back on, like, grappling, I feel like you've gone from, like, zero to 100 real quick, right? You go from not really grappling to then going and compete at ADCC, having some great success there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so the ADCC rule set, so you're going for 15 minutes, right, instead of the normal, like, what is it, six or seven? So minutes? it's uh, for ADCC, uh, for the world championships, it's five yes. and five with a five-minute overtime. Mm. So five minutes, no points, uh, just just submission only. At the second five minutes, they start adding points. So so you could, like, for instance, I took down Orlando Sanchez. I took his back in the first, like, minute of our match. But no, no points. No points at all. No points at all. But it's a, re- you know, the refs will, like, you know, make take mental notes. They're like, all right, he, he won this, you know, five minutes. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so second second five minutes, it's points, and then it's a five-minute overtime. Um, if there's no points scored, and then the overtime is judged by judge's decision in, mm. entirely. I, I like that format. It's kind of cool, right? Like, it's different. It's, it's different. I per- probably prefer points all the way through. Points all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I, if I get to your back and I score, you know, you should probably get my points. <laughs> because some people will sandbag the first five yeah. to get to the second five yeah. to then look for the point advantage, yeah. right? And also, I mean, even – I mean, Either either way, I mean, if if those points all the way through, guys would score in the early in the beginning and then fucking run away mm. from you. Like you you'll see legit guy like professional athletes like just walk backwards try to get away from this guy yeah. the whole match. Yeah. So speaking of which, like you take jiu-jitsu and it's gone through a lot. Now, do you ever roll gi jiu-jitsu? Not that much. Gi? gi? No, no, not at all. But like, so you talk about gi jiu-jitsu is a little bit more traditional, a little bit more old school. No gi is a little bit more of this newer school at a high level. But the, the competitions are all a little bit different, right? Like there's different rule sets. There's IBJJF, there's ADCC, there's I – mean, I'm sure there's other ones, right? Now yeah. there's an even like submission, like there's a combat jiu-jitsu where you get to yeah. hit a little bit. Like which one do you think is the fairest or the most exciting? Because like to your point, dude, especially in a gi when people are just stalling, it's yeah. kind of boring. And I don't think it's good for the sport necessarily, right? Yeah, I think uh, – my, my personal opinion, I think 15 minutes, submission only. Um and judge's decision based upon whoever's attacking more, you know, whether that be submissions, whether that be, uh, you know, passing. I think uh, a sub-only match is the only way to really, you know, define mm. who's who's better. Points are good. Points are good. But, like, but uh, I don't know. There's there's an argument for both because, like, in, in the game, I mean, you could get a, a heel hook in five seconds. You know, yeah. like, things happen fast. You know, you could be, you'd be 10 up and then somebody subs you and you lose. So, um I like the, the idea of points, but I think, uh, you know, 15 minutes sub only, and then whoever dominates that, that match, if there's no sub, probably, probably mm. wins. Yeah. And that's what uh, – who's number one is Yeah. 15 minutes yep. sub only. They do the five-minute advantages. You know, you get to see who the judges are favoring, but there's no 
no points. Yeah. There's no points, but it's it's understood that you know if pass you pass guard and you get to the back, you know that's that's you're winning. That's yeah. an advantage. You know you you it's a treat it like a fight. You know you want to dominate the fight. You don't want to be on bottom and you know trying to trying to play from close guard or or you know bottom half. You want to be on top, smashing a guy, getting passed, and getting to the back and whatnot. Yeah, go ahead. Andy. I was gonna say like so I think some people might look at that DDS mentality where it's like, hey, we're gonna we're always looking for subs, and some people might go, well, that's probably not the most tactically smart thing to do in certain rule sets right that's true and but we've had we've had we've had some issues uh where where it's tactics where it's like we were so hungry for the sub yeah but you know we've kind of failed to realize like fuck i gotta get my points first and then we gotta go for the sub that's true but in all these rule sets too if you submit yeah. you always win right true. that's the only zero sum game in all of these rule sets very yeah. true very yeah. true. so you, you got the no gi game you got the gi game you got these different rule sets but you're talking about how you know there's a millionaire right now in jiu-jitsu and his name's gordon ryan and he's he's crushing it and, and you know and, and there's a few others because of bj fanatics has done a great job kind of creating these revenue and i think it's excellent um but like what's it going to take for the sport to go mainstream you know i think i think uh, you look like ufc and i think connor did a really good job of pulling people in because he was a little polarizing and and whatnot but but people wanted to see what happened I think Gordon in some way has similar characteristics where he is a little bit controversial or, or, or at times quite a bit controversial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but he's pulling people in from outside the sport who get interested. I was talking to a professional surfer yesterday, uh, Nathan F uh, Florence, and he goes, oh, yeah, I saw like on my social media some dude making like $400,000 a month off, uh, off DVDs, but he doesn't know who this guy is. He just saw that because it was, it was kind of like captivating, right? Yeah. So what is it? What what role do you think um, Gordon's playing in terms of like growing the sport? And uh, I'm curious how that distracts from your team, like or where it doesn't. It's just good for everybody. Yeah, I think uh, you know the more popular he gets, the the better it is for the sport as a whole. Yeah, I think what it's going to take is uh, we need a superstar, uh, superstar in life to have extreme success in jujitsu. You know, mm -hmm. like imagine me or Gordon or whoever you know has. A million followers on uh, not Instagram but YouTube. You know, cause I feel like YouTube. If you're famous on YouTube, you're probably famous in real life. You know, I feel like that's a common common scenario. Um, you know, somebody with a, a huge following to have a tremendous success. And I think you do that by uh, growing your social media. Focus on the Instagram. Focus on the YouTube. You know, becoming maybe you vlog. You know, your 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 daily life or weekly competitions or whatever. Uh, building a following like that and then coming and competing. Because that's going to draw much more attention to us. I feel like, uh, you know, Gordon has like 300, 400,000 followers on Instagram. What if, uh, you know, what, what if you have a million? What's a, what's a sport look like when he has 2 million followers, you know? Mm. Um, I feel like, you know, having a superstar, eventually developing a superstar outside of the sport and then coming, you know, competing in jiu-jitsu as well, I'll, uh, I'll blow it up. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, <laughs> CrossFit for many years has tried to become a, a sport, and it is a sport for the people who participate in it, but it hasn't really taken off as a sport in the general public's eyes. Yeah. I think Not like have, baseball, football. Exactly. Or I mean, it right. takes years and years. Yeah, and years. it's hard because the general public looks at people doing CrossFit on TV and they go, well, those guys are just fucking working out, right? Mm -hmm. But there is something different about martial arts and having it being a discipline and it's fighting and it's so deeply ingrained in like 
culture and society that that's a, a contest, right? And how UFC has been so successful. You think anybody currently in jujitsu is going to make the jump into something like the UFC? Any big names in jujitsu going to try and make a jump, or you think it's mostly these disciplines are going to kind of be different for a while? I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I think they'll be different for a while. I think in the future, as wrestling starts getting implemented into, into jujitsu more. Mm. Um, uh, I think uh, then we'll start seeing fighters because I think uh, the big hole in the game is like all the best jiu-jitsu guys are are good from their back. They're used to being on their back. If you're on your back, I'm just going to punch you in the face. Yeah, and MMA start. doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Exactly. It's a, and uh, You see all the best jiu-jitsu guys, all the best grapplers they have the same common issue. I mean, a guy like, uh, a guy like uh, Gilbert Burns, you know, fantastic grappler, top guy grappler. Now, you know, he beats the shit out of guys in, in MMA because his top game, you know, he has a heavy top game. Mm. Obviously, he has the close guard game as well. He, he's good on bottom. But uh, he's known for being on top, and, you know, I think that's why why he makes him so good in the, in the cage. So having the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu is, uh, is definitely key for, for winning the fights. Mm. You see too many times where a guy just has jiu-jitsu, has no idea how to get this guy down to the, to the mat. It's where he just rolls the legs or he jumps guard. Uh, like, what if Ryan Hall knew takedowns? You know, like, fuck, you probably wouldn't get KO'd, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he had a tough fight last yeah. fight that he went out. But yeah. um, I got yeah. a few more questions. Yeah, no, let's keep it going. <laughs> I, mean, dude, I think that's super interesting. I, I, I think jiu-jitsu in itself could just continue on as a sport. I really do. I, I, I don't think that you're – I don't necessarily see – there will be people who jump over to, like – UFCs or, or 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 similar, right? Like look at Buchecha, right? Yeah. Like Buchecha, he was extremely dominant in jujitsu, and then now he signed a deal with uh, I think one one, one, one yeah. championship. And and uh, I think you'll see some of those, but I think just the sport of jujitsu itself has evolved a ton. I mean, dude, who's number one is only so yeah. old. Submission yeah. Underground is only so old. Like you're seeing new. I think it's always going to be separate, and I think jujitsu as a whole. Five to ten years from now, it's going to blow up. It's going to be a different thing. Yeah, I think it's going to go mainstream. I Dude, think, I gonna, think, so I think too. we're going to we're gonna get some some uh, mainstream sponsors. You know, maybe we get some sporting goods place. Maybe we get some some like Re Reeboks or something. Um, but uh, I think I think honestly, having you know having somebody that takes the social media specifically the YouTube seriously becomes a, uh, an important person there, and then has success on the jiu-jitsu mat, or, or just blow it out of proportion. Do you think it needs like a centralized league and association and like a specific rule set? Go, hey, hey, this is the shit. This is what we do. This is jujitsu, right? Like this is yeah. sport jujitsu essentially. Because right now you're fragmented with you, who's number one, ADCC, yeah. all these other things. Yeah, I uh, I think it'll always be uh, different competitions. Mm. Um, but I do think we'll have one or two things that, that stick out. And I think it's going to be... Who's number one for full gra grappling, and then the ADCC. Yeah, uh, I think those are going to be the, the two main worldwide events um, that happen consistently. I think everything else is just an accessory. Yeah, because ADCC is every two years, right? Yep, and I think they're trying to do who's number one uh, uh, more frequently. Yeah, and I, I I agree. I think who's number one and flow in particular, they're doing a really nice job of creating this excitement about like. What are the rankings, right? Yeah. Like, who are the number one fighters in the world at these weights? And you're kind of seeing now how certain people and certain teams are kind of coming up and getting more notoriety because they're on these lists that are created. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the documentaries have been really helpful, too, at least for me. Like, we're not, like, super, super deep in jiu-jitsu, but we're, you know, we're probably more deep than, than some people. But, like, watching, like, the documentary or series on Daisy Fresh, for example, like, 
I didn't even know who they were yeah. until I watched that on Flow Grappling. And like, then you feel more connected with them, right? Or, and I think that's a, that's a key too for growing the sport is having people feel connected to the athletes, I think is really important. Yeah. And that's what happened early on in CrossFit that allowed it to grow, I think, because the spectators felt really connected to the athletes. I think the more connected they feel, the more bought in they feel. And uh, I think like, like the content we're shooting today, I think it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a good way to get to know you and get to know me and get to know others better so that, you know, when they watch you fight, they feel like they know more about your background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it plays a big part, man. Having people connect, I think that's an that's a entirely different aspect that you know, we're supposed to grasp. Yeah, hell yeah. I was going to ask you if you could have one match against anybody Ooh. in the jiu-jitsu world, and who would it be? Uh, I like Bushesha. Mm. I know he's retired and stuff, but, uh, you know, whenever he wants to come back, uh, I think it would be a good match for me. Mm. That and, and, like, a Felipe Pena would be good, too. Yeah, I think those are guys that are jiu-jitsu royalty, and uh, I just really don't think they're that good. So it would be a good match for me. Those guys kind of – they both are like sunsetting their careers as a lot of these other guys like you and Gordon yeah. and DDS yeah. are coming up. It'd be really interesting fights. If I was grappling like five years ago, I think I would have won my first ADCC. All these guys just stood up. They had terrible wrestling. And whoever like fell down first like lost. This is, the sport's definitely evolved a lot, right? Because you take Wait. like, for example, Buchecha in a gi. I mean, I think he's dominant against – I mean, he's proven Everybody, to be dominant yeah, against yeah, yeah. anybody in the world, right? But, like, I think then as soon as you take the gi off, things start to speed up. The game changes, and it's it's more of a new school approach, right? So you take some – It's more old, Americanized. It's yeah, more wrestling. It's more it, – Yeah, exactly. And so I just think the sport has evolved, yeah. and I think it's going to continue to evolve to, to stay exciting. I think ultimately what it comes down to is how well can spectators feel, like, engaged on it. But the gi is still going to be around. But I think the no gi, man, the speed of the game is yeah, just exciting. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's a much more visually pleasing. And I think that, you know that's people want a a, a, a spec, spectator. I don't know. They want to spectate uh, some some interesting. You know, some high pace. People don't have the attention span to watch a, a thirty minute slugfest. You know, they want to see a sprint. So yeah, uh, definitely. You know, it's not always a sprint, but jiu-jitsu, no gi grappling definitely more of a sprint than the gi for sure. Who's one celebrity, alive or dead? Who you think would be like just an absolute fucking savage on the mats? One celebrity, um, alive or dead? Yeah, huh? anybody. <laughs> you can be Abraham Lincoln, or you yeah. can go with The Rock, yeah. whoever, man. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. He looked pretty. He looked pretty uh, tall and jacked. Yeah, a good leg game probably. Yeah, uh, maybe some WWE guys. I mean, like a uh, maybe like a Randy Orton be good on the mat. Honestly, like an athletic guy. You know, uh, pretty strong dude. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, maybe yeah. the rock. Maybe uh, the rock, yeah. The, the the rock. I mean, bro, imagine if the rock got in jiu-jitsu. I would just run away for like be the, the first best two thing minutes. For the sport. <laughs> be the yeah, it would. It would be sport. massive for the sport. Oh yeah. my god, it'd be massive. Yeah. Huh? I wonder what his cardio is like at four hundred pounds. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> four hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a lot of training for yeah. Black Adam right now. I don't yeah. know if he's got as much cardio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, dude, we really yeah. appreciate the time. It was got, fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. look, man, it's it's really interesting to get in, in, in and to hear a little bit more about your background and that story. And, like, uh, the the modeling thing, I, this is, this is my, why did you why did you leave it? Uh, well, for for guy models, it's not that much money. Like, you know, for girls, they go to a photo shoot, they get five, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000. You know, guys get, like, $1,500, $2,000, unless you're, like, you know, top tier. 
Uh, but then again, everybody, every guy wants the wants the easy job of taking pictures and getting money. So it's like the competition's too uh, it's too much competition. They want you to be like skinny. I was like, I'm trying to be jacked. You know? So <laughs> like they call me sometimes. Uh, like when I'm in New York, we'll schedule like a shoot, and I'll do a shoot. But uh, you know, it's like for me to go out of my way for like you know 1500 bucks is really not, is not necessary uh but uh yeah it was fun i did it more for uh the affiliation cuz they're the i'm signed with uh Willamina and they're they're number one in the world for sports and fitness so i just kind of wanted that affiliation i felt like that was going to help me out so yeah i just filled out an application one day and uh, they accepted it and uh, just kind of hopped on board with them and uh i used that to help grow my social media cuz i was like all right like how can i uh, I'm just a guy that wrestled in, in high school and college for a year. How, how else can I, you know, uh, build a reputation? So I was like, all right, let's try to sign with this modeling company. And, and we did that. So just so something else to add in the bio. That's pretty much all that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, I love his commitment to getting jacked. Like, yeah. like <laughs> It's like, hey, what's your goal is being jacked and being and being the hardest <laughs> motherfucker on the mat, you know? Exactly. Pretty simple. All right, bro. Well, hey, we got some training to do today. I am not looking forward to uh, – hey, why do you – so you always roll with no shirt on, huh? Uh – when I have abs, yeah, but uh, I'm fat now, so we're going to wear a shirt today. Rash guard? Oh, yeah, rash guard. You got to keep this flubber in. <laughs> yeah. I like the abs rule. Yeah. So if you got if you got abs, no shirt. If you yeah. don't have abs as well, put on a rash guard. It's been guard. my rule exactly. for about 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, all right, man. Well, let's have some coffee, get uh, get some breakfast, and get to training. Thanks, Hell man. yeah. For sure.